calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. From the creators of the hit kids podcast, Who Smarted, and Netflix's Brainchild comes the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs, making learning cool. Listen to mysteries about true histories on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the most, and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This alien invasion tale, Story Club members, might make you duck and take cover in your room. It's one I call UFO, Unidentified Flying Oddballs. When the stranger showed up, Nyla didn't know what to do, so she ran. And she ran as fast as her legs could carry her. Nyla had been playing down at the park with her friends, but it started to get dark. When evening approached, it was time to head home. Nyla didn't live far from the park. As she was heading home, she saw a bright light flash in the sky. And then something that resembled a comet went streaking through the air and landed behind a hill. The area Nyla lived in was mostly desert with very few trees, only rolling hills as far as the eye could see. Nyla was almost home when two figures approached her. They wore big bulky suits and helmets. She couldn't see their faces as they were hidden by the dark glass face masks of the helmets. They only reflected back her image. The strangers wore some kind of insignia patch on their shoulders that she didn't recognize. They raised their hands to her as they approached, Whatever they wanted, Nyla didn't want any part of it. The problem was that their bounding approach had blocked her avenue from returning home, so she escaped in another direction. Nyla headed over the hills. The strangers in the cumbersome suits had tried to keep up their pursuit, but they couldn't as she was too fast. She crouched down behind some large rocks and hid. She'd wait them out. It had continued to grow darker. Her mother would be coming home from work and Nyla would be late. Her mother did not like it when she was late. She'd understand, though, if some bulky-suited creeps were chasing her. When it felt safe, Nyla ran from behind the rocks and over the hill. In the barren valley below, she spied it. It's what fell from the sky. It was a spacecraft of some kind. It had crash-landed and it looked damaged. On the hull of it was the same kind of insignia that the invaders wore on their suits. Strange invaders. A third-suited stranger was near the craft with some tools, apparently trying to repair it without much luck. It appeared they were stranded here. Nyla would have to go home and tell her mother. She would know what to do. 
One of the strangers who'd been chasing her suddenly grabbed her arm with a gloved hand. The invader was strong and she fought to get loose. It spoke to her in some kind of strange garbled dialect. Yikes. These were aliens and they were going to take over the world, starting with her. They kept trying to communicate with Nyla, but she didn't understand. She grew more and more frightened. Apparently, this was made clear to the alien who released her arm. She wasn't waiting around to find out what they were trying to say. Nyla rushed for the safety of her home. Once she arrived at her residence, Nyla hurried inside. Her mother was seated at the supper table, already, clearly unhappy that Nyla was late. Nyla explained that it was because of space aliens who had fallen from the sky as she was coming home. Then, they chased her all over the place and eventually caught her. They spoke in some strange gibberish, and she hoped that she wouldn't be abducted into their spaceship or that they'd try to suck her brain out or something. Space aliens were known to do stuff like that. Well, at least that's what the rumor said. Her tired mother was angry that Nyla had made up such an outlandish story. Why would she lie about being late for dinner? Why not tell the truth? But it is the truth, Nyla had assured her mom. Why would I lie about something like this? Then again, Nyla wasn't sure she would have believed the story herself, except that it happened. Her mom sent her to her room. However, she wasn't in there a few moments when there was a loud knock at the front door. Nyla opened her door and peeked out into the living room. Her mother had answered the door. It was the space aliens. They'd found them. Great. Now they were going to abduct her and her mom into their spaceship and possibly suck out all their brains. Nyla wished this nightmare would end, but this was no nightmare. She was wide awake. Strange, though. Her mother and the alien invaders were conversing. Guess that made sense in a weird way. Her mother was really smart. She worked at the Aerospace Lab and Astronomy Center in town. She knew more about celestial bodies in the heavens and alien intelligence than anyone in the community. Her mother called for her. Nyla was too scared to come forward, though. Maybe the strange alien brain suckers had done something to her mom, hypnotized her or something, to make her think it was okay. Then they would take him away, away into the vast expanse of stars, never to see their planet again. It's all right, her mother assured her. These are astronauts from Earth, and they need our help. Their shuttle crashed. They were only trying to ask if you knew anyone in the area who might be able to help them return home. You assumed the worst. Nyla regarded the colorful insignia patch on their arms again. It had a blue canton with 50 white stars and 13 stripes, seven red ones and six white. That must be the representative flag of the place they were from. This is Colonel Dan Barnes, and this is Lieutenant Colonel Amanda Richards, her mom said. They're harmless humans who blasted off from the United States a week ago. Their space shuttle ended up venturing through a time-space dimensional barrier rift, and they crash-landed on our planet of Zanaz. The United States astronauts waved at Nyla. She waved back with her many tentacled arms and shuffled her ten legs beneath her. She could see their faces now that the dark solar shields were raised. They had two tiny eyes, as opposed to the one big eye of Nyla's species. They didn't even have green-spotted skin. <laughs> Ew. Humans sure were ugly, but she didn't want to judge. It wasn't nice. So, there you have it, devoted listeners. Beauty is only in the eyes of the beholder, as they say. I'm so glad that the unidentified flying oddballs, or, I mean, stranded astronauts, were able to get help from Nyla and her astrophysicist mother. Hopefully, they'll be among the stars in no time and back through the time-space dimensional barrier rift so they can get back to Earth. Bet they'll have quite the story to tell their fellow humans. 
As for Nyla, I can't say that I blame her for running away from astronauts chasing her, even if their intentions were friendly. Space aliens freak me out too. I don't really know if I have much of a brain worth sucking, but it's the only brain I have, so stay away. Hello, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your host with the absolute most, and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This creepy tale, Story Club members, might have you making sure your bedroom closet door is shut tight at night. It's one I call Dollface. Christina Webb didn't want to move into a new house. What was wrong with her old one? She had all of her friends, all of her familiar places she liked to go to, like the local pool and the mall. She did not want a new house or a new school. But her mom had gotten a new job, which required them to relocate. Her mom was paid far less for this job than her previous one, so it required a little downsizing. They used to have a nice modern house with all of the furnishings. But when she stepped through the door of this creaky old house, she was less than thrilled, and she told her little brother, Stephen. This place should be condemned. It's not all that bad. I called dibs on the upstairs bedroom with the big window. Um, no, that's mine. I'm the older sister. But I'm faster. First one there. Race you to it. They dropped the bags they were carrying and sprinted up the stairs. Their mom was unloading things from the car. Christina had longer legs and was older, but her brother Stephen was faster. He raced past her and touched the doorframe. Mine. Nice effort, but the older child has preferential treatment. Ask mom. Nuh, ask mom. The room was indeed large. A big window that reminded Christina of a spiderweb overlooked the yard below and the neighborhood. This new town was called Pittsville. Perfect name for it. Still, if she had to grow old and die in Pittsville, this room wasn't that bad. Besides the master bedroom that belonged to her mother, it was the second best bedroom in the house. Her bratty brother could have the moldering bedroom down the hall. Sure, his bedroom was closer to the bathroom, but this one had a window and a walk-in closet. Christina opened the door. The closet was empty, except for a doll sitting in a chair. Okay, creepy. The doll was at least four feet tall. She had a pale porcelain face and large dark eyes with a bright red smile. And she wore an old hoop skirt that was deep scarlet in color with frilly pantaloons, a wide-brimmed straw hat, and ivory gloves. Stephen had come in to get on her case about a room switch, but after seeing the doll in the closet, he quickly changed his mind and backed away. Um, you know what, sis? You can keep the room. Why would the former resident leave a doll in a chair in the closet? Well, it didn't matter. Christina was too old to play with dolls, and this doll was creepy. There was a large garbage can out back that she'd neatly fit into. Christina picked up the doll. I like you, the doll said with a mechanical voice. My name is Tabitha. Christina heard the mechanical grind of the ancient speaker box from somewhere inside the chest of the doll. It was an old pull string doll. It was a little weird though because Christina hadn't pulled the string. The doll was probably broken. She lifted it from the chair. What are you gonna do with that thing? Her brother asked. Move her into her new apartment. Huh? Christina carried the doll downstairs, across the living room, and out of the house. Her mom was coming in with a box. Hey, what are you kids doing? I need your help unloading. Where did you get that thing? Found it upstairs. She's being relocated to the garbage can. Actually, you should save her. She looks like an antique. You might fetch a good price for her on eBay or something. 
I am not spending the night with this creepy thing in the house. Okay, it was just a suggestion. Christina walked down the porch steps of the house, which was a hundred years old, and around to the back where the garbage cans were. She opened the lid and set the doll inside. My name is Tabitha, and we're going to be close friends, the doll said. Nope, Christina said, closing the lid. After dinner, Christina hung out with her mom and brother. They'd ordered a pizza. It was Steven's turn to pick a movie. He picked a scary one with a living doll that did terrible things to people. The movie was cheesy and annoyed Christina. She was pretty sure Steven only picked it because of her finding Tabitha earlier. Stupid creepy doll. Christina went to bed. She had dreams, dreams of this house when it was brand new. And her being a little girl in it, she knew it was a dream about the past as she was wearing a scarlet hoop skirt and a sun hat. In the dream, she looked just like the doll that she'd thrown away. And she spoke to herself in the mirror of the dream too. Hi, I'm Tabitha. Christina woke up. Wow, what a creepy dream. Her closet door creaked. A chill ran through her. Was somebody in there? The wind gusted through the open window and the frilly white curtain sailed upward. The door creaked again. No, she must have forgotten to shut her closet door and the September wind outside was making it creak. That's all. Stupid doll movie and stupid doll. When she got up to use the bathroom, she snapped on her desk lamp, then shuffled across the cold hardwood floor in her bare feet to shut her closet door. She then noticed that Tabitha was sitting in her seat just like before. Seriously? Christina slammed the closet door closed and made sure it was latched this time. She walked down the hall to use the restroom. After she was done, she went into her brother's room and woke him up. What? He groaned. Why did you dig that creepy doll out of the trash and put it back in my room? I didn't. Uh, yeah you did. You had to watch that dumb doll movie and then got the doll out to scare me. <laughs> That's actually an awesome idea, but I didn't. You swear? Cross my heart. She left her brother's room and returned to her own. The door was cracked open again. Maybe her mom took it out of the trash. You know what? It didn't matter. She would take the doll outside right now, shove it into the trash, and bungee cord the lid shut. Opening the closet, she turned on the light. It flashed and burnt out. Perfect. She rushed in to get the doll and picked it up. I told you we were going to be close friends, Tabitha said. Christina, gazing into the doll's dark eyes, began to grow very sleepy. The next morning at breakfast, Christina was happy and nice, much more so than she usually was to her mom and brother. I really like living here, mom. It was a great idea to move. Are you serious? After all the months that you complained before we sold the house? And the trip here? Yeah, I guess I just had to get used to the idea. What have you done with my sister? Steven said. She smiled. We're gonna get along much better now, I promise. In the closet, Christina couldn't move. She was trapped inside the doll. Somehow, Tabitha had done a body swap. Now Christina was inside the doll. She stared into the darkness. How would she get out? Would she ever get out? Tabitha would grow up in her body and move away. She might just have to wait for another host to show up to make the switch back into a human body. If Christina could really smile with her fixed painted mouth, she would. She had time to wait. She had all the time in the world.
Um, yeah, that story, Dollface, was Creepsville, USA, devoted listeners. But who doesn't love a good creepy doll story, right? You have Chucky, Annabelle, and now Tabitha. They're like the evil doll trio. Now, be a doll and keep listening to more spooky tales. You won't regret it. Or maybe you will. <laughs> Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features, like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Do you like to laugh? Ah, uh, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you, and the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and custodian of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This weird tale, Story Club members, might make you keep off the grass. It's one I call Gnomes Sweet Gnomes. The smile looked as wide as a crescent moon. The exposed teeth were just as bright. The eyes smiled too with a similar heavenly glow. And the pointy little red hat was super weird. It all gave Becky Mayer the creeps. Why does dad have to have these foot-tall ceramic garden gnomes in our yard? Becky asked herself. They're weird and they're creepy. She helped her father in the yard. While he was busy mowing the grass with a lawnmower, she edged strips of grass and dirt from the edge of the sidewalk with a hoe. Edging makes the lawn, the whole exterior of the house in fact, tidy and inviting, her father had told her. And that's what we want our lawn party tomorrow night to be. The roaring din of the lawnmower suddenly died down. Well, wouldn't you know it, Becky's father said. It's out of gas. He grabbed the red two-gallon can nearby and shook it, but the sound came up as empty as the blue summer day. Looks like I've got to run to the gas station. Darwinkle, the lamplighter gnome, lay on the ground. His moon smile was smeared with flowerbed dirt among the vivid colors of dahlias and peonies. There were five gnomes around the yard and flower garden in all. In addition to Darwinkle, there was Roybert, who smoked a long pipe, Fulwick, who pushed a wheelbarrow, Wimfoodle, who hid under a ceramic mushroom, and Lumbell, who whiled away his eternal gnome hours fishing. All were carefully placed and cared for by Becky's father. What happened to Darwinkle? Becky's father asked. I must have accidentally knocked him over. She lied. Silly me. Her father picked Darwinkle back out of the dirt and brushed the chocolate-covered grit from his lunar white teeth. It isn't good to be cruel to a gnome when the full moon will soon rise. His tone was serious, more serious than Becky had ever heard him before. You've gotta be kidding, Dad, Becky said, using this as an excuse to stop her edging duty. 
It's just a dumb ceramic yard ornament. I see them everywhere. In other people's yards, at the hardware store. They're just lame things people like to trash their lawns up with. People have been putting gnomes in their yards and gardens for over 150 years, her father said. They bring good luck, and they also guard against would-be intruders and those with mean-spirited hearts. I can't believe this, Becky said. I'm only 11 and I'm making more sense than you, Dad. Aren't you supposed to be the adult here? Just be more careful, her father said over his shoulder as he strode off with his plastic gas can toward the car. Mom should be home from the grocery store soon, and I'll be back quicker than a gnome's wink. He smiled at Becky, climbed into the car, and left. Gnome's wink, Becky thought. Oh man, Dad's really lost it. Reluctantly, she started to edge the sidewalk again. Then something caught her eye, a flash of red. She peered up. Darwinkle faced her and was smiling. But when her father had picked him back up, he was facing the other direction. All Dad's gnome talk has you upset, Becky muttered to herself. She continued to edge the lawn. After a few minutes, she gazed up again from her tedious work. Every single one of the gnomes, Darwinkle, Roybert, Fulwick, Wimfoodle, and Lumbell, seemed to not only be facing her direction, but they seemed closer too. In fact, she found herself surrounded by the jolly foot-high ornaments. Their pointed hats of red and their coveralls of green made them appear uniform, like they were part of some underground gnome militia. Okay, this is freaking me out, Becky thought. I'm gonna drop this hoe and dash for the front door. The front door stood 20 feet away. She could sprint to it before those gnomes could move any closer. Smack! The wood handle of the hoe slapped the concrete where Becky dropped it. In four quick bounds, she was at the front door, safe. The doorknob didn't turn, locked. But how? When? She was afraid to turn back around, afraid of what she would see. Slowly moving her head, she turned and peered at the reflection of the yard through the front window. The gnomes had vanished. Becky suddenly fell to the porch. She hit her head on the wooden floor. It dazed her. And then everything went black. When Becky awoke, she realized that she was being dragged. Something dragged her across the front yard and into the back by her feet. In the backyard was the tool shed and the root cellar. They lived in an old house. It had a root cellar, which was nothing more than a hole dug into the ground next to the house. It had a heavy wooden door and broken concrete steps leading down into the darkness. It was a cold place to store extra fruits and vegetables. Only Becky's parents never used it. And now, the five gnomes were dragging her in its direction. Stop, Becky said, trying to reason with the tiny ceramic figures. She could only see their red cone hats bobbing up and down as they labored with her weight. Why are you doing this? We're the protectors of the yard, the keepers of the garden, a raspy, quiet voice said. She imagined it was Darwinkle, the lamplighter. He must have been the leader. You are a mean-spirited little girl and must be taught a lesson, just like that mangy dog. The gnome was referring to the Rain Trees dog, the next-door neighbor's Springer Spaniel that went missing last summer. They put ads in the paper, put up flyers, but the dog was missing for ages. But they'd found him after a few months. He'd been down in the root cellar, dead. Becky's father explained to the neighbor that no one had been in the root cellar for a couple of years. It was always a mystery how the dog got down there. Until now. The other neighbors, the Potters, had a calico cat go missing last week. Could it be? Okay, please stop, Becky said. 
I'll be nicer, I promise. I'll believe in you too. Just don't put me down in that horrible place. Two gnomes, Darwinkle and Roybert, held her feet, while Fulwick, Wimfoodle, and Lumbell heaved open the heavy wooden door to the root cellar. Are you ready to meet your fate? Roybert stalked up to Becky's face and asked. His breath smelled like freshly mowed grass. My dad or mom will find me. Somebody will find me. But by then, he rasped, his black-painted ceramic eyes flashing with life. It will be too late. Becky heard her father's car pull up and the door slam. Dad, help! She heard the soft thumps of footprints running on grass. Becky, what's going on? Why are you laying in the yard with the root cellar door open? It was the gnomes, Dad. You were right. The gnomes? They were in the front yard when I pulled up. Becky picked herself up off the ground. Her dad was right. She could see Darwinkle holding his lamp, his red cone hat pointed like a rocket at the June sky. And his smile at her seemed wider than before. If I were Becky, I seriously wouldn't be going out into the yard for anything. Those gnomes seem like some nasty little yard guardians who you don't want to mess with. Anyway, all this yard talk reminds me that I have to go outside to pooper scoop all of Spike and Renfield's droppings. I've kind of been putting it off. Ugh. But at least I don't have those freaky gnomes trying to stuff me underground while I'm trying to get my scoop on. Count your blessings, right? I certainly count mine, because I struck gold with all of you, my beloved listeners. Story Club is truly my tribe, and I think it's amazingly cool that so many of you have been picking up our styles. From hoodies and t-shirts to caps and more at gokidgo.com and showing your membership pride. I'm working hard on creating more Story Club designs for all of you this week. And do you know why? Because next month, my fellow phantom lovers, is October. And you know what that means. Halloween. You'd better believe I'm gonna have everything you need to rock Halloween ready at gokidgo.com. I would not be much of a story club leader if I didn't, right? And while you're waiting for my terrifically terrifying new threads to drop at gokidgo.com, don't forget to check out loads of other great stories on the GoKidGo network, like Bobby Wonder, about a 10-year-old alien who has to protect the town of Pflugerville from villainous Mighty Mila, and Lucy Wow over in the Big Red Barn inventing all sorts of cool stuff with her mechanical pygmy goat, Capel. And of course, Martha and Waffle being totally hilarious nitwits in the underground world of Flusville. Just search for Bobby Wonder, Lucy Wow, or Flusville wherever you get your podcasts and you'll find your way to a great time. And obviously, join me back here tomorrow for another eerie episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go Kid Go! A lot of people remember what they dream about when they go to sleep. But what if you discovered you could move between the world of dreams and real life? That's the story of Dream Breachers, where Evan wakes up on his 12th birthday and realizes that something he dreamed about that night had actually happened. Dream Breachers is a high-stakes sci-fi mystery adventure. And with the help of his friends, a reappearing stranger, and a mysterious organization called the Dream Academy, Evan will discover what it means to be a dream breacher. If that sounds like a dream to you, you are in luck, my friend. You can listen to Dream Breachers now, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>